This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. John's Gospel, chapter 14. John's Gospel, chapter 14. Just give you a moment to find that. Fourteenth chapter of John's Gospel. <clears throat> and so in John's Gospel, chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, those five chapters is one long, uninterrupted conversation that Jesus was having with his disciples literally just prior to him going to the cross to die for our sins. And this is one of those most intimate moments that he's sharing with his disciples over the three years that he walked with them on this earth. And however long he spent that night in that upper room, we we don't know exactly. But what we do know uh, for sure is that within a few short hours, those disciples would be entering into the most darkest, most frightening uh, period of their entire lives. Everything they had believed in for three plus years Uh, was going to be called into question. Uh, Every prop they had leaned on, every security blanket they had wrapped themselves in, everything that made them feel safe and secure and in control was going to be ripped away from them. Jesus had been their mentor. He had been their dearest friend, their teacher, their inspiration, their hope. In fact, he had been their very lives. But now he's talking about going away, leaving them. And the thought of that was beyond their ability uh, to even begin to comprehend. They had never, ever thought of that ever before. Uh, And right at that moment, they had no idea of the bombshell that was about to hit them in just a few short hours. Jesus knew. Jesus knew that before the sun would rise, that he would be arrested, betrayed. He would be uh, taken to a kangaroo court, a religious ecclesiastical court where he'd be mocked, he'd be falsely accused, he'd be dragged off to Pilate, the Roman governor, and from then he would be taken to Herod, that evil, wicked puppet king of Judea, where again he would be mocked and beaten. He would go back again to Pilate, and eventually he would be scourged, scourged and beaten and crucified cruelly uh, on the place of the skull, Calvary. So these disciples were about to face the darkest three days that this world had ever seen. They would be devastated. They would be hurt beyond belief. They would be fearful. They'd be disillusioned. They would be disappointed. They would be deeply offended. And eventually they would be scattered. So in those late evening hours around the the Last Supper, Jesus would have to prepare them for the coming crisis that was about to hit his disciples. And so in chapter, chapters 13 through to 17 records the conversation that Jesus had with those disciples that night. And it's here that you will find his wonderful teaching on servanthood. Do you remember how he, he took the servant apron and the towel and the basin and he kneeled down and got on his knees and he washed the disciples' feet? That was during that period. Uh, it's here that you will listen to his great personal prayer for his church, them and us. 
uh, it's here that he would teach about the vine and the branches uh, and how that we would be inseparable uh, as vine and branches. It was here that you would clearly see his relationship with his father. In fact, he addresses his father as father 21 times in chapter 14, 10 times in chapter 15, 11 times in chapter 16, 6 times in chapter 17, in fact, 45 times in four chapters, 14 through 17, he would address God as Father. And he tells them of the Father's house. And he tells them about the rooms that he's going to prepare for them and for us. Uh, and he speaks of the traitor who would betray him. And so during those hours, a lot was happening and he was sharing his heart with them. But in the midst of all of the sharing, there is one thing that comes through that he desperately, desperately wanted them to know and to understand. And that was he drew their attention to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew that without his presence with them, that they really would not make it in this life without the Holy Spirit. They desperately would need the Holy Spirit. Without his physical presence, they just would not make it. And so he knew how devastated they were going to be without his actual physically bodily presence. Life would never ever be the same for them from this point on. And they simply would not make it without the Holy Spirit. Because up until now, he was the answer to every one of their problems. Up until now, he was there. They could speak with him. They walked with him. They ate with him. They were daily with him. He was just a glance away, just a nod away, just a yes or a no away. Uh, he was right there. And, and best of all, he was their leader. He was their rabbi. He was their shepherd. Uh, and, and, and they never, ever had a teacher like Jesus uh, and by far, he was the greatest miracle worker this world had ever known. And he was there, you know. He belonged to them. They had listened to no other voice for three and a half years. But now he was going to go. He would be away. And the truth is that without the Holy Spirit, not only would they not have made it, but the truth is we would never make it as believers today without the ministry of the Holy Spirit in us and through us. And so what he says to them, he sent us to today. Now, have you ever considered for a moment how dependent Jesus was upon the Holy Spirit when he was on this earth? Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Tells us that in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1. Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit at the Jordan River when he was baptized by John and the Holy Spirit came upon him as a dove. Jesus had the fullness of the Holy Spirit without measure, it says in John 3.34. In Matthew 4 and Mark 1 and Luke 4, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. He, he was totally led by the Holy Spirit. He just didn't do things off the top of his head. He was led by the Spirit. Jesus came out of the wilderness temptations in the power of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says in Luke 4.14. And Jesus himself clearly stated that his ministry was the result of the Holy Spirit being upon him. In Luke 4.18, he quotes from Isaiah 61 and 1 where he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me 
because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he says, all of that is because the Holy Spirit is upon me. So Jesus taught much about the Holy Spirit. He breathed the Holy Spirit into his disciples. He instructed them after his resurrection to go into Jerusalem and wait in that upper room until they'd be endued with power from on high until the Holy Spirit would come and enter into their lives. So let us consider uh, for a few moments this morning some of the things that Jesus had to say about the Holy Spirit. But first of all, let us state unequivocally, from the very moment that you were born again, the Holy Spirit came into your life to reside there. There is no question of that. The Holy Spirit, that moment you received Christ, you received the Holy Spirit. He came to indwell you. In Ephesians 1.13, Paul puts it this way. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Amen. Having believed, that moment you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. And then in Romans 8 9, he puts that kind of negatively, where he says this, but you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone has not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So it couldn't be more plainer than that. You cannot be born again unless the Holy Spirit is within you. It's the Holy Spirit caused you to be born again. You're born again of his Spirit. You're born again from above. And so without question, anyone who has received Christ as Savior and Lord has become right now the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit on earth. He dwells within each and every one of you who are born again. You're born again of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus was well aware that he was telling them that he was going away. Uh, and at that moment, they could not come with him at that particular time. And so he knew that they would naturally feel they were going to be abandoned. They were going to be deserted. That's how they would feel. That's exactly how they did feel. And so in John 14, verse 18, here's what he said. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. The word comfortless there in the original language is, orf is orphanos is where we get the word orphan from. So that's why in the New King James and some of your translations, it will actually correctly say, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. So he knew exactly how they were going to feel uh, within the next 24 hours. Uh, orphans suffer uh, from feelings of rejection, from desertion, from abandonment. They're usually quite young when they go through that terrible experience. And for many, it leaves lifelong scars and issues are unresolved that they have to deal with. Uh, particularly the big questions like, why? Why me? Why did they give me away? And if they did, was there any others they kept? All of these are questions and issues that are unresolved. 
And some go through their whole lives seeking those answers, the big answers, the big questions of why. The disciples fully trusted Jesus. They completely depended upon him. For three over three years, he had been the anchor of their life. There was the, he was the one constant. He was the only thing in their lives that was stable and unchanging. And now all of that was about to be challenged. Who in the world were they going to turn to now when he was gone? If Jesus abandons them, they have no plan B. They would have no idea what they're going to do. And Jesus knew that. And so Jesus tries to reassure them. And he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. But how is he going to come to them? How is he going to do that? He's already told them in chapter 13, 33, little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. Then in chapter 14, he tells them, I'm going to go away and I'm going to go to my father and I'm going to prepare rooms in his mansion for you. And if I do that, then I will come back again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. And all that's fine and good as far as it goes, but all that's out there. All of that's sometime in the future, but not right now. But what about right now? What about in the immediate short term? How is he going to come to them when he goes and they need him the most? If ever they needed him, it'll be when he goes. So how is he going to go to them? Well, he gives them the answer. In John 14, verses 15 and 18, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter or helper, it may say in your translation, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, but shall be in you. So how does he dwell? He says he dwells with you. How, how, did, that, how did that work? Well, through him. Because Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit without measure. He was led by the Spirit. Everything he did was by the Spirit. But he said, when I go, he will not just be with you, he will be in you. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I'll not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Only Jesus at that moment knew that within the next 24 hours that he would be crucified dead and lying dead in a cold, dark tomb. Only Jesus knew that at that point. And so for the next three traumatic days in the lives of these disciples, he would not be there in person to answer their vaxing questions. He would not be there in person when they were most disillusioned, when they were most fearful, when they were most hurt. He would have to wait three more days until he rose again, until he appeared to them again. And even his post-resurrection appearances was very short-lived and was sporadic. It only lasted for less than six weeks, 40 days. And then he would be gone, and they would never, ever, ever see him on this earth again till the rest of their lives. 
And so he said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, another helper, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. And so you see how he's, he's preparing them. They're not getting it. And they didn't get it immediately afterwards either, but he's preparing them. And he's preparing them not just for the next three days, and not just for the next six weeks, but he's preparing them for the rest of their lives, that they will not have him personally beside them. And it really was only 50 days later in the day of Pentecost when the, when, the, when the realization of who the Holy Spirit was and the power of the Holy Spirit entered into them, that they began to realize uh, who the Holy Spirit really, truly was. It's interesting the word that Jesus used for prayer here, ereteo. It's not a word that we normally think about when we think of prayer. And Jesus says, I will pray the Father. And the word here is a word that describes a lawyer arguing a case. So what he's implying here is, I will go before the Father like a lawyer would go before a judge, and I will argue your case that you need the Holy Spirit, <laughs> that you need the Holy Spirit to come in my place, because without the Holy Spirit, you will not make it in this life. So he says, I will pray the Father. I will intercede for you. I will stand there on your behalf, making a plea for the Holy Spirit to come for you and to you, to abide with you forever. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Another comforter, the word he uses here for another is alos, A-L-L-O-S. And it simply means the Father will send one just like me. One just like me. One like me in every single way, except instead of being just with you, he shall be in you. And so Jesus is trying to get them to see that even though he personally will be going, but the one that will come in his place will just be exactly like him. Only he will be the Holy Spirit, and he'll not have a physical body like him, but he'll not just be around you, he'll be in you. He'll be in you. The Holy Spirit will be like a mirror image of Jesus only without the physical restraints and limitations of a human body that Jesus had while he was on earth. So in other words, he'll be with us 24-7. He will never be absent. He will always be available. He's with us every moment of every day, whether we feel like that or not, whether we even fully understand and grasp that, he is with us every single moment because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives within each single believer. And so as much as we would wistfully think sometimes how lovely it would have been for us to live in the days that Jesus was on earth and we would be like those disciples and we'd have him by our side and we could talk to him. Sometimes you may wistfully think that when you're lying in your bed at night, but actually Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. It's better for you that I'm not here in the flesh. It's more advantageous to you because the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he'll be in you 24-7, never, ever leave you. Imagine the third person of the divine Godhead, God the Holy Spirit, 
co-equal with the Father, co-equal with the Son, but now He is residing within you, Amen. right inside you in your spirit. He's there 24-7. So no matter where you go, He's there. No matter what you attempt to do, He's there. No matter the answer you need, He's there 24-7. Now you know what Jesus meant when he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That doesn't make any sense except through the Holy Spirit. Because when he left, they felt forsaken. They felt deserted. They felt abandoned because his physical presence wasn't there. So when he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you even unto the end. doesn't make any sense except through the Holy Spirit. Because the reality is, Jesus is not going to come and stand beside us. We live by faith, not by sight. But the truth of it is, the Holy Spirit is with us every single moment of every single day. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And what a blessing it is for us to have Him in our lives every day. And I don't know whether we, we probably don't uh, take the advantage of that as much as we should. Uh, but when you read, uh, and we're going to look more into this tonight, by the way, but when you read about the disciples, the early church, and how much they were dependent upon the Holy Spirit, how much they leaned upon him, how much they were guided by him in all situations, then you begin to see how necessary it is for us today to need the Holy Spirit because we are entering into dark days we're entering into times when the church is coming under great pressure we're being assailed and assaulted by all directions even through governments and individuals and companies and everything and so if ever anybody needed the Holy Spirit it's us right now and in fact we, we will not make it without the Holy Spirit in our lives we'll fall away We'll cave in or run away. But we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need his guidance. We need his power. We need his strength. We need the courage to face what we need to face. And it's through the Holy Spirit that we will receive that. Jesus is not going to come physically and stand beside us and hold our hand. He's not going to do that. He's not going to do that. He will come physically someday, but not now. But he doesn't need to. And he's covered that for us. I don't need to come, he says, I'll send my spirit and he will do the business. He'll just be like me. He'll be exactly the same as me, only he'll be in you, not just beside you. And so here we are today. Here we are as believers needing the Holy Spirit like never before in our lives. And, and sometimes, and I suppose... All of us, I suppose, to some degree or other like this, we, we, tend to, we tend to treat the Holy Spirit almost as the poor relation of the Godhead, like a cousin almost. But he's not. He's co-equal with the Father, co-equal with the Son. He's just the same. Only he's with us right now to reside within us give us the strength, to give us the guidance, to give us the answers, to give us the power to lead us, to guide us in this Christian life that we live. And so we should be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. We should ask him for his help. 
every day. We should ask the Holy Spirit, help me today. Help me to make this decision. Help me to do this. Help me to witness for you. Help me to pray. Help me. There's so many areas of our lives that we're dependent upon the Holy Spirit. But do we depend upon him or do we simply depend upon ourselves? And all of us, I'm sure, are guilty of that. We want to do it. We want to work it out. We want to be this. We want to do that. And often we just don't even ask the Holy Spirit to be involved. But when you read the New Testament, you'll find that the disciples weren't like that at all. <laughs> they missed Jesus so much. They had to have the Holy Spirit because what they were facing, they could not do it without his strength and his help every day in their lives. And we're going to look at that tonight and we're going to see how they, by the Holy Spirit, did what they did. And how in different situations, at different times, in different places, how the Holy Spirit, they were so dependent on Him and leading and guiding and blessing and helping. And we'll, we'll look into that. And then we'll ask ourselves, how much do we need the Holy Spirit today? If they need Him then, do we not need Him more today? Hmm? You see, they had Him physically, Jesus with them. But we've never had that because we walk by faith, not by sight. We're not going to have that. So how much more do we need the Holy Spirit than even they needed the Holy Spirit? That's the argument, isn't it? So God willing, we'll look at that tonight. The title of the message is, The Comforter Has Come. The Comforter Has Come. And he's, he's came 2,000 years ago, and he's never left. And that moment you get saved, the Comforter came into your life. But there's more than just that moment, isn't there? We know there's infillings of the Holy Spirit. We know there's experiences with the Holy Spirit. We know there's more than just that one-time deal when you get saved. There's more than that. And many of us have experienced more than just that. And so there's much more for us in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.